I just want to firstly say thank you so much um, for having me here and for allowing me to preach this morning, Nat and Hart, who's, who's off and away. Often I come over here with Pat, um, my hubby, and he's the one that gets to preach, but today, ha, I get the bat on. So uh, I'm excited about that to be able to share the word with you today. You know, I was actually feeling quite emotional this morning as, as I was worshipping this morning. You know, how beautiful is church? You know, to hear James's story of his sister. I love that, still his little sister, even, even at this age. You know, God is faithful and he loves us. That is what I sense that his big message for today is. He is faithful and he loves us. And the reason why I was feeling a little bit emotional this morning was, I'm not sure how many of you know this story, but Pat and I had the privilege of pastoring this church for about six months in the year 2000. Can you just give us a wave if you were here then? I think it was just Corinne and Gordon and Julie. And Pat and I came over and the first service that we held together there were 14 people and to be quite honest I said to Pat why are we doing this and why is this church still going and I had to find in God a reason why we were coming over to pastor this church and I remember God really put it on my heart to seek him for this church and I actually went to Bobbin Head. I don't know why I went there, but I went to Bobbin Head to seek God. And I walked around the mangroves. And as I walked, he spoke to me about this church. And he told me how precious this church was to him. And he, said, he showed me a picture. He said, it's a big stake in the ground. You know how in, in war, when they take territory... I saw that this church was a big stake in the ground and he said to me these words, this church is significant to me. This church is significant and it will keep going. To be quite honest, I thought it was dead. But he didn't see death, which was why I so appreciated James' message this morning. He saw life and he saw the future. Pat and I couldn't see 15 years down the track to see hundreds of people in this church, people's lives being changed, being baptised. That's why I'm a bit emotional this morning because I couldn't see that 15 years ago. I saw 14 people and it felt a bit dead to me. But he said this church is so significant. And I'm listening to Nat this morning sharing the vision of the church to go and plant Bankstown and Parramatta and my goodness, God saw all that. And the thing that he did say to me was, your job, Amanda, was just to give the church mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And so I knew my job. And that's what Pat and I did for six months. We just breathed love and life back into the people in this church. And we gave, literally, that's what our job was. We gave it mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And now this church is so alive. I'm so excited. And so I don't, I hope you allow me just to feel a bit emotional because it's like, my goodness, we had a small part in this church. And so I feel very privileged to be able to just 
share that story with you today because you're on the other side. God sees the next 15 years. We can't see yet, but this church is significant. And his love is big, it endures forever and he is faithful. And how exciting to be a part of it. Why don't we just give the Lord a hand today? Because you're sitting in his plan and under his love this morning. You know, for the last few weeks we've been doing a theme um, across the campuses called These Three Remain, Faith, Hope and Love. And today's topic is on love. And, um, you know, I don't want to just give a warm, fluffy little preach today on love. As I was preparing this message, I was trying to kind of pitch it somewhere between, you know, the nice love movies that we might call chick flicks. It might be The Notebook or a more recent one might be The Fault in My Stars where you go and you cry and you see romantic love and you get the warm fuzzies. Well, I don't want to just give a warm, fuzzy message today on love. So I'm trying to pitch it between that and a war movie where we've got sacrificial blood and guts, mateship to the nth degree of, you know, we might be looking at their fury or saving Private Ryan. So I'm going to try and pitch somewhere in the middle. And my heart today is that I don't want you just to go, oh, this is a message on love. My goodness, we all need to know God's love for us in, in more extraordinary ways. And we need to know how to take that love and deliver that love to other people because we are his ambassadors and we need to share that love with others. You know, I want to pray today and I, as we pray, I want to read a scripture. So can you join me just by closing your eyes and I want to read this scripture over you. It's from Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 and it says this, And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvellous love and may you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should how long how wide, how deep and how high his love really is and to experience this love for yourself though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it and so at last you will be filled up with God himself. Father in heaven, I thank you for your love. God, give us revelation today of your love. Lord God, it is wide, it is deep, it is high, it is long. God, help us to grasp the bigness and the breadth of your love for us today. And God, that we will not just receive the love and enjoy it, but we can then share it with others. So Father in heaven, I commit this preach into your hands. I pray that revelation of your love will come to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's begin by looking at the scripture that this series comes out of. It's from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now, can you guys see up there or is the whiteboard in the way? It's all right. You can see. Fantastic. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know, let me just pull out a couple of profound truths that I get out of this scripture. 
The first is that love, faith, hope and love will remain. What does that mean? It means it will never perish. It will never disappear. It will never wash away. It will never decay. It will never deteriorate. When faith, hope and love are present, they will stay present. They will be taken into eternity with us. The things that we do, let's just talk about love, the things that, the, and the people that we love, that's fruit that we actually take to eternity with us. That's what will remain. And then it says actually that love is the greatest, which means it tops faith and hope. It tops every spiritual gift that you might have. You might be able to prophesy raise the dead, do the miraculous, but if you don't do it in love, then it's all to no effect. Love is the greatest. It's greater than any sacrifice that you can do and it's greater than any achievement that you can perform. It's greater than any business venture that you might have. Love tops it all. And why does love top it all and why does love remain? And I think it's because God is love. God God doesn't just have love or can give love. He actually is love. He embodies love. So you can't actually take love out of God because it's intrinsic in who God is. And that is why I believe that God that love will remain forever because God will remain forever, but also why it's the greatest. You know, I want to just set the scene today. For those of you who know me, I've got a bit of a teaching thing on me. So here we go. We're going to do a little bit of writing on the whiteboard. You're with me? You're going to write some notes? And I want to talk about the directions of love. And so the first direction I want to look at is that God loves us. He loves us. And you know, one thing I'd love to do today is to come up and have a chat to all of you. I don't think I'll have time to do that, but just imagine if we could have a chat. And I said to you, how would you describe God's love? Like what would be some words that you would use to describe the experiences that you've had or the knowledge that you have of God's love? Well, let's have a look today at what David described as God's love. You know, David was a king. He was a warrior. And I think you would agree, pretty mighty man, strong man. Not a wussy man, strong. But he was also a man who experienced the very beauty and depth of God's love. And he was able to express the love of God by the Psalms that he wrote. So let me just read you a few just tiny little excerpts from some of the psalms that he wrote about God's love. And as I read these, just let them kind of wash over you and kind of sink in about the the breadth and the depth of God's love. Psalm 36. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. Psalm 32. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Psalm 145, the Lord watches over all who love him. Psalm 23, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. 
Psalm 96, I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love towards me. And this one I just love, Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you because your love is better than life. You know, David experienced that love, God's love comes towards him. It follows him. It surrounds him. It watches watches over him. He says that God's love is great. It's unfailing. And it's better than life. You know, let me ask you a question. When was the first time you experienced the love of God in your life? For me, it was when I was 14. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, but I went to Christian camps. And it was on one of these camps where my camp leader actually talked to me about the love of God. And to be quite honest, at that time, I wasn't really looking for God, but I had an intense fear of my future and I feared dying. I remember there were times I would go to bed at night and I would be crying because I feared the future. And my, my camp leader shared to me the love of Christ and that if you ask Jesus into a relationship with you, then you no longer have to fear the future and fear death because you'll live forever in, in eternity with him, forever with his love. And I went, I want some of that. I want that. And there's a scripture that says, perfect love casts out all fear. And so there and there at the age of 14, I asked Jesus into my heart and I've never feared death or my future again because of the love of Christ. You know, sometimes we actually need to go back to when did God first love us. Revelation says that, go back to your first love. And so maybe even today, If you've got a friend with you, maybe have a little chat today just as you go about your day and talk about the moments where you felt the love of Christ in your heart. Let me share another scripture now. We're going to look at a few more directions of love. And it's a a famous scripture that most of you would probably be aware of. Mark 12, 30 to 31. It's Jesus speaking. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You know, this scripture says the second is like it. So the first, let me just say the first commandment is we need to love God. So this is a direction of love here. We're loving God. But then he says the second is like it. And often when we think of priorities, we think of it like this like God's first, then others, then us. But the second is like it actually doesn't mean of less priority. It actually means of equal importance, which I find quite interesting. So it's like we are to love God, but we're also to love others, equally important. And also we are to love ourselves. Now let me just talk a little bit about loving ourselves. This is not a conceited or vain love. I think when we love ourselves, it's actually being able to... Oh, it's raining. We'll just pause and listen to the rain for a moment. (laughs) Um, Loving ourselves is actually being able to stand in the security and the identity of knowing that the Father in heaven 
made you, loved you, created you. He intricately and fearfully, wonderfully made you. And that to me is loving yourself when you can stand with confidence and go, thank you God for who I am because, because you made me. And that is what I think love for self is. So let me just talk to you just very briefly about these two directions here. So us to God. There's lots of scriptures about us loving God back. But let me just highlight a couple. We love him because he first loved us. We can't love God just because. We love because he first loved us. It also says that we need to remain in his love. It's not like we can taste it once and that's enough forever. We actually need to remain in God's love. But predominantly the scriptures about us loving God actually is about obedience. And the way we express our love to God is obeying him. And that's what I loved about the water baptisms to me. To me, water baptism expresses the first, one of the first significant obedience steps in following God and loving him. So church, we can never stop loving God, but we need to, we need to remain and we need to keep obeying. And that's how we actually um, show our love to God. The next one is about others. Now, there's heaps of scriptures. You, you would not believe how much study I did for this, this message today. There are so many scriptures about who we need to love. The first one, who's married here? Just give me a wave. We need to, we need to love our spouse. So if you're making notes, you can just make some notes here. We need to love our spouse. We need to love our kids. We need to love our extended family. We need to love our neighbours. They're the people that we do know that are around us. We need to love the brothers and sisters in Christ. That means all of us need to love each other. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to love strangers, which is the people we don't know, but like the Good Samaritan parable that we run into and need help. And we also need to love our enemies, the people that we really don't want to love. I think that's a fair amount of loving that we need to do there. Let me tell you just a few scriptures about us loving others. It says here, we have a continual debt to love one another. In John 13:35, it says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And it actually says in 1 John that if we choose not to love our brother or sister, we're actually lying. We cannot live and say we love God if we're hating somebody else. The two cannot exist. We cannot love God but say I hate that person. We can, it just cannot exist. We're lying if that's the case. Let me just highlight a couple more things that this scripture says. It says that we have to love the Lord our God with all. Can you say that with me with a bit of grunt? even a bit louder and what's the all that we're loving with is all our maybe you can yell it out to me what, what are the different parts all our yeah and strength was the scripture we you know this to me encompasses every part of us 
all. So love is not something that's pretty blasé and haphazard and, oh, I'll just do a little bit of loving today. It's actually, it's a, it's a front foot forward thing. We're putting all into it. To me, our heart is our, our emotions and our affections and our desires and our passions. We're putting it all in. Our, our, our soul here, let me go to soul first, I think is our will. We actually activate our will, which is our intentions and our decisions. And then our mind is our thinking. There's no point trying to do things if we don't have nice thoughts towards people. We have to consciously love people with our mind and our intellect. And then it's also our strength. I spelt strength wrong, but be gracious with me. <laughs> we actually have to use our bodies to love people too. It's a whole active process of love. Now, this big word, love, you know, it's interesting in the English language, we can love our husbands. I'll just tell you, it's my husband's birthday today, so just go. <laughs> We're going out for lunch, so I will be sort of racing out after this. So we love our husbands and our kids. But we also love our ice cream and our dog. If you've got a dog or a cat, you might, you're either a dog person or a cat person, aren't you? We use the same word to say we love all different things. But in the ancient Greek, they actually used different words. And these different words actually express different love. So let me just give you a quick lesson on ancient Greek. Eros, which is sexual love. It's what we get erotic out of. Eros, sexual love. We have another one called, I'll put these two down together. Philio. Oh, do we have any Greek people here who know how to actually pronounce this for me? Storge, I think it's pronounced. Storge is familial, am I saying that right? Familial love, family love. And filio is friendship love. And they're fairly similar, just directed towards different people. But it's affectionate love. It's devoted love. It's, it's love where you actually like somebody and you're pouring into them. But this other word, agape, was actually in the Bible a new word. I didn't realise this until I was studying it this week. Agape love was a new word that was put in the Bible. And it's this agape love that we need to give and do with all our neighbours and others. And it's agape. Let me tell you what agape means. It's sacrificial love. It's selfless love. It's love that you actually put on even when you don't want to love. It's love that initiates. And because it's a new word, how many of you ever noticed in the Herald or you might see it on the computer, it says the new words that have come out in the Oxford Dictionary. Every now and then they release new words. Well, it was the same back here. This was a new word that got released. And to define the word, they actually defined it in 1 Corinthians 13. So let me tell you what agape love actually looks like, what it is, what, if you want a biblical definition of agape love, this is what agape love is. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, I was counselling some people that we pastor whose marriage was um, very shaky. And I actually emailed them the other day because I was just reading this in my own personal quiet time. And I said, this is your recipe for your marriage. Read this every day. If love never fails, then marriages should not fail. Relationships should not fail. If you're in a struggling relationship, I would encourage you and challenge you, read these few passages, these few verses every day and start to live them. Start to put them into practice. Practice patience. Practice um, not being easily angered. Just meditate on this scripture until it becomes a part of your life. You know, I want to just touch base on a few attributes and actions of love. And the first one is this, that love seeks to know and to understand. You know, know means this, to become thoroughly acquainted with. If you know someone, you know them deeply and you know them intimately. And I believe that this is the love that God has for us, that he knows us. You know, I asked myself the question while I was preparing this, how do I, how, how do I know that God loves me? Like that was the question I asked myself, how do I know that God loves me? And my answer to my own question was that he knows me and he gets me. He gets me. And I think that's the beauty of being loved by God is that he gets you. And that when we love others, we actually get them. We understand how they tick. We know them. You know, let me read from, from David again, from Psalm 139. And you might like to just kind of note how many times he uses this word know. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to understand. You know God knows you. And because he knows you, he knows every part of you. Your heart, your motives, your emotions, what you're doing, what you're saying what your dreams are and because he knows you, he gets you. And out of that knowledge, you know, sometimes people abuse knowledge. They can use it to control or manipulate you but not God. God uses this knowledge to be kind and to be caring and to be compassionate. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament, if you'd like to turn to it, it's in Genesis 29. And um, 31 to 34, it's the story of Leah. And Leah is actually an unloved woman. She, it's, it's, a, it's a very messy story. Leah had a, a twin sister, Rachel, who was more beautiful than her. And Rachel was actually um, betrothed to be married to Jacob. 
But Jacob's father-in-law did a tricky, tricky thing on him (laughs) and um, put Leah instead at the marriage altar. And so by accident, (laughs) Jacob marries Leah. And Jacob's pretty annoyed, as you would be. But Leah is very unloved. And Leah pops out three kids pretty quickly. But she says this, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. You know, the first two kids that she had, She named because she knew God loved her. Reuben means God sees me. Simeon means God hears me. And so I don't know what your present situation is, whether you're happy with who's around you, but I want to just encourage you today, God loves you. He sees you, he hears you, he knows you, and that that love will remain forever. You know, too often as a pastor, we, I counsel people whose marriages are a bit shaky. And, and I'm being biased here because I often hear the woman's point of view. And often they say to me, he just doesn't get me. He doesn't get me. And if you're sitting here today and you're a married couple and, and you're feeling that, well, can I encourage you and challenge you, start to get each other, (laughs) start to hear each other, see each other so that you can fully know your spouse and be kind and caring out of a knowledge for each other. The second attribute, and I'll finish on this attribute, is this, is that love builds bridges of connection. Love builds bridges of connection Interestingly, Leah had a third child and she called him Levi. And Levi actually means to attach. And I think when we love, we actually attach. We put out connections to the people that we love. And, you know, I've read this interesting marriage article lately. And uh, this psychologists say that a healthy marriage... The, the spouses put out, let me just, they call it requests for connection. They do little what they call bids throughout the day of connecting with their spouse. It might be just a touch, it might be a comment, it might be a look, but it's a request for connection. And he says that there are either, in his early study of couples, that there are two categories. He calls them the disasters or the masters. And the masters have learnt in marriage to lean in. I really love this terminology, lean in and turn towards their spouse. And I want to say to you today, God leans in and and is, is turning towards us because he loves us. You know, to lean in means you appreciate the, the, recu- the, the sort of the touches of connection. Um, you're generous and you're compassionate and you're kind. Whereas the disasters, who wants to hear about the disasters because I think we can learn from them. When these points of connection are given from their spouse, they actually ignore them 
they're complacent to them, they're disrespectful or they're critical. And so it causes a division that, that can breed in the marriage. And I think we can see this, you know, in all of our relationships, whether we do points of connection and trying to lean in. It can be with our children. I know I've got children and, I, and there's times where they withdraw, but I lean in and I push in and I find places and times of connection with them. Pat and I actively do it together. I want to just share with you one very active bridge that I built once and it was with my dad. Um, He died about eight years ago and it was during the time where he was not well and, and leading up to his death. And my dad loved me but was never able to show it. He, he was not an affectionate man. He was not able to say, I love you. He was not able to give me hugs. And during the time he was in hospital, I intentionally chose to build a bridge of connection to him. And I would go to him and I would, uh, on my way out, I'd say, Dad, I love you. And it was interesting because my dad actually froze in response to that, that, that bridge of connection. He would freeze and he could not say it back to me. But I'm fairly persistent, so I just kept going. (laughs) Dad, I love you. And over a period of time, because he was in hospital for a few months, he softened. And two days before he died, I was able to say, Dad, I love you. And he said, I love you too, Amanda. I remember I came out of that hospital room and I went, yes, I got one. (laughs) I felt... And it wasn't just that I needed it. I think it was really precious that my dad could give it to me. And I also, I gave him a hug and he held on to me for about a minute, which he had never, ever done before. And it was a very precious memory of building a bridge of connection. You know, as I was preparing this message today, I felt very strongly that there are, that there's some people here that need to build bridges of connection. You know, some bridges are just to keep showing love, but some bridges need to be built because we have conflict and we have rifts in our relationships that cause great divides. And that to bring reconciliation back, sometimes it takes one person to build the bridge to see reconciliation. You know, I felt strongly just to share about Jacob and Esau this morning. They were two brothers who were in conflict and did not talk to each other for about 25 years. But they came back together out of choice. They came back, they reconciled and put their past behind. And I know in my own life to show love to people that there are two things that need to take place, repentance and forgiveness. Love equals saying, I'm sorry, I stuffed it, I did bad, I did wrong. And then on the other side, you need to forgive. You need to go, I forgive you. I forgive you. I want to ask you today, is there, is there relationships in your life that need to be reconciled? Can I just have the um, band come up for me, thanks. You know, can we just close our eyes for a moment? I just want the Holy Spirit to hover for a moment. Holy Spirit, come. 
You know, to reconcile takes courage. It takes sometimes sacrifice of pride. It takes humility. It takes initiative. There's been times where God has asked me to go and say sorry to someone even though I didn't even feel like I'd done anything wrong but he said, man, to go and say sorry because they're offended. You know, God is into reconciling relationships. And at the end of this message today, after the end of the service, we'll actually close the service. But if you feel the Holy Spirit is putting upon your heart today that there is a relationship in your world that you need to reconcile, where you need to build a bridge and to see a a relationship redeemed, then I would encourage you to come out the front and just be accountable to um, the person that prays with you and say, I want to redeem this relationship. I want to reconcile this relationship. Can you pray for me for courage? But also, I just really sense that the Holy Spirit wants you all to know today that he knows you. His love is priceless. You are priceless. He is faithful. His love endures forever. Thank you, God. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your love that is immeasurable. I thank you that your love is priceless. It is unfailing. I thank you, Father in heaven, that you sent Jesus to be the bridge for us that you redeemed our relationship with you because of Jesus. Let me ask you, church, as you've got your eyes closed today, some of you might be never experienced or never embraced the beautiful love of God in your life. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. Well, today that can happen. How extraordinary to be able to today to say, Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I want to experience that love. If that is you today, if you could just raise your hand in the house today. Just raise your hand and I will see your hand. There's anyone here that wants to welcome and embrace that love of Christ into their life today for the first time. If you can raise your hand. Mighty God. Perhaps you you haven't been remaining in his love and it's time to come back time to come back if that's you today too if you'd like to just raise your hand come back to Jesus be under the the banner of his love thank you Lord mighty God thank you for your presence let me just get a feel today is there anyone here that does know they need to reconcile a relationship if you could just raise your hand beautiful there's some there's hands that are going up can I encourage you to come out at the end of this meeting and we will pray for you that 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 relationship will be reconciled let's stand up and we'll sing thank you who do I hand to Dylan thank you mighty God